supposed to have choir practice tonight? No choir practice tonight, so we'll be here at 5 o'clock tonight. Um, going to give you an introduction tonight to the book of Revelation, and so we're going to, to get into that um, over the next uh, few months, and I'm, I'm going to do it a little differently, too. I... Uh, I'm going to share uh, a lot of notes that I have from preaching it in the past, but also through the the uh, college class that I took on that, and so might be more of a um, classroom type of setting on that on those Sunday nights for a while. But want to leave things open for some discussion if you have it too. So looking forward to that. We'll just see how it goes, but hopefully it can. Uh, always answer some questions and uh, looking uh, forward to that. So I, um, I actually have had this message prepared for several weeks and been a thought that had been going through my mind. And uh, I preached on this years ago on leaving a heritage behind. And um, so... Anyway, through those thoughts, and I, I developed a new message and had this for a, another meeting, but I want to share it with you too, because I heard something, a, a thought this week, and I shared it in my devotion a couple of days ago, but um, I want to share it with you, and then I'll get into the message, but it was a question posed, uh, because we do so many funerals, it seems to be a little more personal, I guess, but, and pray for Ron and Kathy Bullock. They uh, lost their son this past week, and uh, they need our prayers, and so they're here today, and we love you guys, and uh, just pray for God's special grace on your lives through this time, and uh, so um, here we are, we're dealing with this, we, we're having a funeral this week, and but the question was posed is, what would God say at your funeral? What what would he say? What... what um, what would he have to say about you at, if he was the one that came and was the speaker who conducted the uh, service for you? What, what is it that, that um, he, he would say about you? I, I'm going to share some things, and, and I've shared some of these before. Many of you know me, and, and you know, sometimes you get bigger. You, some tell you to be more cautious about you know, your personal things, but I'm not that way. We're just a family, and I want to I want to share some things about me today that uh, some of you know, but some of you don't. And I, I grew up in rural Missouri, and I grew up in a house. And uh, Tracy, if you could show these pictures, that that's where I grew up. That house is gone now; it's been dozed in and is no longer there. But that house was built in 1862. So I just want you to know that the vinyl siding was not on that in 1862 and so but um and and actually when i grew up we didn't even have the vinyl siding on there had a different kind of siding but that's where i grew up in rural missouri and this is the main road uh, that went by in front of the house a lot of grass growing right in the middle just a two track and many times you took the grass out in the ditch as you went by and you met somebody uh, you just prayed that you didn't go off in the ditch too far, uh, and you guys have seen it. You guys understand. And so this is where I grew up, and and uh, my grandfather, it, it was actually, I believe, 
his grandfather, so it would be my great-great-grandfather who built that house back in, the, in 1862. And then his, uh, my great, yeah, then my great-grandfather then took it, and, and he lived there, and my grandfather and my grandmother lived there with him. And so he passed away, and then my mom and dad lived with my grandma and grandfather. I always said that my, my grandparents lived with us, but it was actually the other way around. We, we lived with them. And so we grew up in this house, and there were three kids, my mom and dad, and my grandma and my grandpa. So we had seven of us living in that house. And uh, we had 46 acres there. And back in the 50s, before I was born, I think it was in the 50s, uh, my grandfather expanded the, the 46 acres, and uh, he bought another, we call it 80 acres, but it's actually 77 point something acres that uh, he bought in what we call over yonder. And over yonder, he, he bought that, and I believe that he, he bought that for a milk cow and $800. And so... And he bought this 80 acres, and you can see this. Here's a, it's a hay field, and we have timber and, and uh, uh, some rolling hills. And um, I, I have a few pictures here. If you just want to go through those as a, yeah, and just, there's a, I had to get a couple of deer pictures. You know, there's a couple of deer down there you can see. But, uh, and then that's a timber that we have loaded with squirrels. I hunted squirrels in there, I don't know how many, I want to put a pond right there someday, and and uh, uh, have a nice beautiful pond, and here's a place where the deer bed down, for those of you who like to hunt, and so I have a tree stand over in that other side, this is out of a tree stand uh, where Thane shot his first deer, Kareth uh, missed her first buck, uh, <laughs> uh, Dustin, and Dustin and Brexton, Dustin shot his deer right from out here uh, this past year. But I, I, I uh, is that all of them? Oh, a couple more. I got a little carried away maybe. But that's one of my favorite pictures and one of my favorite spots. And uh, um, just wanted to share that with you. That's uh, Fat Fat Boy Hill. It kills you trying to walk up that. It reminds you how fat you are and out of shape by the time you get to the top. Big, deep ditch, and Brexton's deer died right down in that ditch that he shot this year, his first buck. First deer, and congratulations, Brexton. That was in that, that ditch right there. Loaded with squirrels. I know I've asked this before. How many of you have ever had squirrel? Man, you guys are missing out. We're going to have squirrel one of these days at one of these fellowships. And so, but I... You know, I I, um, I was thinking about our heritage and and thinking about uh, some of this and and so years ago, um, my grandfather deeded that property over to my brother and I and gave it to my brother and I and then through some circumstances I was able to uh, take over the the other uh, half of that acreage and so. It's been in mine and Teresa's name now for several years, probably 10 or 15, and, and uh, so it's ours, and it, and it does remind me of just another lifetime ago, uh, 
and I, I would, it was about three quarters of a mile from our other property, and so we would walk over there all the time. I had a go-kart that we had bought from J.C. Penney's, and I used to tear up the road to, in the, with the go-kart and drive over there and uh, har harass the wildlife if I saw any, you know, and make them a little wilder. You just didn't, you know, I was helping them out, you know. You didn't want them to be um, susceptible to poachers with spotlights, so I'd just chase them with a go-kart, you know. And it was helping them out, making them uh, wilder, you know. But uh, that's our justification. So and I see Todd back there already writing things down. So, <clears throat> but I, so I grew up with that, a simple, a simple life. I, I mean, we, we didn't stay in the house and watch TV all the time. We definitely didn't have cell phones or computers at the time that uh, mess with. We did, uh, when I was, a, I think, in maybe junior high, Atari came out. And uh, we had those crazy games. And that was kind of the starting of the demise of, of uh, kids in their, in their imagination sometimes. And I just never got into that much. I was more into hunting and, and running around and, and uh, seeing what kind of trouble I could stir up, knocking on the neighbor's windows late at night, trying to scare them, and all the fun things, you know. And, and, uh, but so as, as I, I, I loved it. I mean, I loved how I grew up. I loved the simple life. We were 17 miles from the town where I went to high school. I was seven miles from Spickard, which was 389 people and a real small gas station and, and uh, a grocery store and post office, things like that. And, and uh, for the longest time when we moved out here and, and was raising our kids, I always, I always felt sad that I couldn't give my kids the, the same lifestyle that I had. I, I, I wanted them to be able to experience the same things that I did, sitting down on that creek bridge and, and, and dropping rocks on crawdads, you know, or, or uh, gigging frogs or, you know, whatever, and, and uh, watching the beaver as they were building the dam and, you know, down there. And I, and I always wanted that, and... And I thought, you know, those, those are important to me. But then, I, you know, I started thinking, and, and God, God convicted me and, and said, you know, the, the heritage that your grandfather left you and, and your mom and your dad that, have, that they have left you, that, that's for me. That's what God has given me. And, but God has given my kids something else. And they've, they've, they have something different than I have. And, and I think all of that was wonderful. Uh, and I praise the Lord, we still have that little acreage and we can go back there and, and enjoy time to, to hunt and, and to relax and just to sit there and, and marvel at, at the history that's, you know, been in that, in that place. And, and uh, I, I appreciate the heritage that that has given to me. But I, I started thinking that, you know, what... Uh, of all of that, and those things are important to me, but you know what's more important to me in the heritage that was left behind for me is I, I remember every Sunday getting up and going to church. I remember as a kid that we were always in church when the doors were open. I, I remember several times the special meetings and, and the special guests that were there. I'm not sure if I was there, if I was traumatized by it and tried to forget it or if it was a story told to me, but I do believe there was one time where 
we had a special speaker. He came in, and, and the church's platform was somewhat like this, but over, uh, over on the platform, there was a wall right here, and, and there was a clock right there, and that was always my favorite friend was that clock. You know, I always want to know when Norris Ramsey was getting ready to close the service when it got close to noon. Kind of like this one over here that everybody's looking at uh, when I get close to noon, right? And, and, I, and, and it wasn't a battery-operated one like ours, and so it had the cord that came down and plugged in. And I, I remember one time where the preacher was preaching, and first thing he said, there's something I need to do. And he walked over there, and he unplugged the clock. He said, we don't need that today. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, and, and so uh, the, the challenges of that day. And, but I do remember growing up with that, and, and I remember that, that my grandfather would get upset if he heard somebody cussing and using God's name in vain and, and bothering, bothering my family when things like that. I, I remember that, that they, uh, our family was not the, the partying type, and, and we would go to people's homes and and had a great time, but there just wasn't all the, the parties. The, the, the mom and dad, anybody have parents that used to get together and play cards all the time? And, and the kids would go play, and, you know, and, and we would go do that. And I remember those things. And, but, but I always remember that for, for some reason our family was just seemed like a little bit different in some things. And there were some, some attitudes that were different, and there were some motives, and and goals that were different, and, and really I can see now how those were, were God-initiated God uh, goals and things that he had in my life. And, but it just showed me the importance of, of a heritage. And, and, all, and as important as that land is and, and uh, what, what God has allowed there to be, and, and I'm glad that our kids have been able to enjoy it and but you know what they enjoy of that is probably a whole lot different than what it was for me. And they have their own heritage. And, and there's just got to be more to our heritage than, than just the physical, material blessings that we have. And, you know, it was in a hayfield somewhat like that that my dad gave testimony that he was helping Gerald Stoudemire. Uh, they were baling and picking up hay. And... My dad was, was in his 20s at the time and was picking up hay, and, and, and Gerald sat down. He said, Bob, come on, let's go sit down here in the shade. We need to get a drink of water and cool off a little bit. And while he was sitting there in the shade and drinking the water, that Gerald started witnessing to my dad, and it was in that hay field where my dad trusted Christ as the Savior. And, and it reminds me of there's something so, more, so much more important than... than uh, just the land that's there, but there's something that we need to leave that's, that is eternal. And I, I guess I just don't want God to, if he was to speak at my funeral, and what would he say? I, I just wouldn't want him to say, well, he was a landowner. He, he had land, and he, he had that land where Thane shot his first deer, and Tyler shot his first deer, and and Brexton shot his first deer. It's a, it's a nice place that he has. And, and, and he had a great growing up. And that, but I just want there to be more to our heritage than just that. You know, there's all kinds of examples in the Bible about men that left a heritage behind. And I don't have time to go to all these verses. You're going to do this on your own. But 
I do want you to turn, first of all, to Genesis 19. We're going to go to this one. And in Genesis 19, here we see Lot leaving a legacy. You know what? It was a carnal heritage that, a carnal heritage, carnal legacy that he left behind. In Genesis chapter 19, it tells us that, verse 23, Then the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain, all the inhabitants of the city, and all that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord and looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. The firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come. Let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down or when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. Can I tell you that there was, it was the Moabite women that caused Israel to commit immorality and brought a great plague upon that country. That's recorded in Numbers 25. And the younger, she also bare a son and called his name uh, Benami, the, the same as the father of the children of Ammon. And to this day, the Ammonites were known for uh, worshiping uh, uh, Melech and taught child sacrifice. How ungodly of generations that they left behind. And, and so what, what kind of heritage then did Lot leave behind? He was one that his wife was dead. He lived a, a fearful life, and there was fearful living. He was hiding in a cave, committing incest. There was drunkenness, unbelief, wickedness, and that was a carnal heritage that he left behind. I guess I don't want that, and I'm sure that everybody sitting here don't want that either. And so let us be careful of what we are going to leave behind for our children. Let us be careful of our attitudes that we have today. Let us be serious-minded about uh, our service for God. Let us be serious-minded and, and truly transparent with our heart. And first of all, make certain that there is no doubt in your mind, in your heart, in your life, that there has been a time in your life where you have done business with God and you have sought Jesus out for salvation and forgiveness of your sins. And there has been a time where you have called on him to save you and place your trust in him and in him only. Make certain of that. Oh, we take care of our physical health all the time. I mentioned that earlier in, in our Sunday school. And, and we take care of our mental health that we always 
uh, so many want to neglect their spiritual health, and that's the most important of all three. Let us make certain that we have dealt with that and know that our sins are forgiven and knowing that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And, and then as believers, then let us guard against having a carnal mentality and thinking that we have to be friends with the world by, by acting like them and making them feel comfortable by being just like them. There is no reason for that whatsoever. All it's going to do is lead to a carnal heritage like Lot did in his family. But then you go on further, and now we see some four or five hundred years later, and, and well, probably, you know, this is Lot, so probably over 500 years later, in Deuteronomy, you can see in, in uh, chapter 31, I want to share something here in, in uh, Deuteronomy 31, in verse 5, and this is what it tells us here. It says, And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that you may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And so here we see that the Lord is encouraging them to follow God and do what they need to do, and God's using Moses to encourage them to, to uh, continue to move forward. And, but then we get to Deuteronomy 34 in verse 5, and here it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And so he's dead. And then we get to Joshua 1, and we look in Joshua chapter 1, and it tells us in verse 2, God looking down on Joshua, and he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, there was a couple of things that God said about Moses. He called him his servant. He said he was my servant. He also said that Moses was the most humble man that had ever lived. That came from God. And so we see that we have the carnal heritage left by Josh, or by Lot, but now we have Moses leaving a heritage of leadership behind for Joshua. And, and God then tells Joshua that he tells him in verse 6, he says, uh, chapter 1, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And you, you go through verse 9, we see that. And you know what Moses left? He, he left a heritage of godly leadership. And we know that it tells us that Joshua was with Moses and stayed with him all the time. Even when, when Moses went up into, into the mountain and, and there was given the Ten Commandments, we know that Joshua was with Moses and God allowed him to go. He was always with him and under his tutelage and, and humbled himself and followed his leadership and, and watched how Moses had a relationship with God and, and watched him at, and, and, and not only having this relationship with God, but then watched him how to relate with, with the two or three million Israelites that were there with him and ministering to them and, and helping them and, and so often even watching Moses run to make intercession for them, even in their disobedience and, 
And in his own anger and frustration, it was then that he would still run to them and, and stand between the living and the dead and, and help them and, and calling unto God for mercy and grace. And, and, and he left behind a heritage of leadership. And, and then Joshua, guess what Joshua does? He marches them into the land of Canaan and defeats 31 kings as a great leader, a tremendous leader. But we had learned that from Moses. That would be a good legacy or a good heritage to pass on would be a godly leadership, wouldn't it? I think of another one over in 1 Chronicles 22, just a couple of verses here, but I, I have to bring up David. He's one of my favorite uh, uh, characters in the Bible to, to study and loved, loved his leadership and loved his passion. You know, the one thing that made it seemed like that made David so much different than so many others was the transparency of David. David wasn't perfect, and he wasn't even close to being perfect. And he was one that reacted quickly and one that was very passionate. We know through the Psalms that, that he was an emotional man. We know that there were times where he was dealing with depression. We know there were times when he was dealing with fear. We know that there were times when he was rejoicing and, and was thrilled and happy. And, and there were times when he was running. There were times when, when he was seeing the blessings of God. I mean, David was, was all over the place and all of those things. But one thing about David was that he was passionate and he was transparent about his service of God, and God held him to that because he's one of the only men that you see where there's as much, pretty much as much bad about him as there is good. God wrote it all out there, and, and David laid it all out. He couldn't hide from anything. Every time he tried to hide something, God would bring it out and reveal it to everyone. And here we have it, some 2,500 years later, still reading about that, but we see that he had a a, a heritage of transparency. Verse 5, 2 Chronicles 22, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent, of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. And then he tells, David goes on and tells Solomon, he says here in verse 12, Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning Israel that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shall thou prosper if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and be of good courage. Dread not nor be dismayed. You see here, we see that David was fierce. He was passionate. He was judged publicly several times. We see that he was not perfect, but he was blessed. And he brought, uh, and, and here, even in his love, and God had said, David, you cannot build the temple. You have bloody hands. He said, okay. But God, you didn't say anything that I can't get it ready. And he went out and he got everything prepared. And we just see his transparency about who he was and the Psalms that he wrote. And I believe that, I do truly believe that's why it was so easy for those soldiers, those mighty men of God to follow him because of who he was and how he led them. He had a heritage of transparency. That would be good. 
I think we could have that. We should have that in our lives, shouldn't we? We should let our children know when we fail, apologize to them when, when we do things that aren't right and they see that. Don't be a hypocrite. Get it right with your children. Apologize to them if you've done them wrong. Apologize to your wife or ladies. Apologize to your husband when you need to. Sometimes even when you don't need to, it, it will go a long ways. And so let's just be transparent with one another and, and let us serve God with a, with a passionate heart because of who he is. Daniel chapter 5 is another one, one that I, I wouldn't uh, recommend, but we see in Daniel chapter 5 that Belshazzar was the king and made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. He was a big partier. We know that he, he was a wicked king and was very violent. And guess who he learned all that from? His father. Who was his father? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was not a godly man. And however, I do, I do believe, I, some disagree, but I do believe based on what we see in Daniel, and I believe it's Daniel chapter 4, we, we see Nebuchadnezzar's testimony of salvation. But it took him seven years of crawling around on his hands and knees, eating grass like the cattle, and, and his hair growing out, and, and them treating him like an animal because that's the way he was acting. And for seven years, God made him live that way. And, and at the end of seven years, Nebuchadnezzar finally realized that he needed to look up, and he looked up, and God restored his kingdom. And Daniel chapter 4, I believe, is that testimony. I believe I need to... I need to go back and, yep, that's it. And so uh, he writes a testimony, and I believe there that he gives God the honor and the glory. But before that, here he had been living a reprobate life and one that is full of ungodliness, one that had challenged Daniel in the past, one that had, had thrown Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, and one that wanted to be worshipped himself, and and his son was watching those things, and, and so then his son comes into the rain, and, and who is he, and what is he, but he's one that's even ungodlier than Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar leaves a paganistic heritage behind, one of unbelief, and one of disobedience and one that is full of gluttony and wickedness. That's really not the kind that we would want to have, isn't it? But what do we teach our children? You know, what, what do we teach our children? Do, do we teach them that, hey, that property that we own, that's the most important thing in your life. You hang on to that. And, and you hold on to that no matter what and because that will make you who you are. And, and you need to... You need to have that, that recognition, or, or do, you, do you want to uh, leave behind a legacy of a mom and dad that never have time for their kids because they're, they're always into the party lifestyle, or they're always trying to impress the, the, the public, and always trying to impress, as it, as it says here, the thousands of his lords, those, those that are in society. Are you always trying to spend your time impressing everybody else instead of spending the time with your family that you ought to? And are you trying to impress those in society who, who really will only mock you if they can't get something from you? Or do you spend your time leaving a heritage behind that people will see that 
you, you love the Lord, you love your family, you love your church family, you love your community, and you want to make a difference in their lives for eternity, and, and none of this fleshly, worldly carnality truly matters. And so I end then, and, and I know I go back to these verses. I've preached this psalm so many times, and I, I guess that's just the, one of the problems you have having a pastor who's been here a long time. You hear some of the same things, but in Psalm 128, I just can never get past Psalm 128. In the picture that it gives us of a God-fearing heritage, a godly family, it is what we want. Psalm 128, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. You know, it's a family that truly does fear God. Fears God for, we, we, we fear God that we don't want to disappoint him. We don't want him angry with us. We want him to be happy with us. We want him to be pleased with the things that we're doing, saying, and carrying out in our lives. And, and we're teaching that to our family and showing that in our family. And that walketh in his ways. It's, it's not only one that fears God, but one that obeys God. I mean, we need to obey God. It's so easy to get caught up in, in, in things that, that uh, truly don't matter. I, I, see, my, the way I was raised then brings about certain things in my life that I like and dislike, right? And, and I need to say this. I, I feel like I should have said this last week. I hate alcohol, okay? You guys know that. I don't have to keep telling you that. You know that, okay? but I don't hate you. And I know that there are several that you may disagree with me or maybe you have a problem with it. I'm not your enemy. I love you. I want to help you. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to judge you. And I'm not going to condemn you. But there may come a day where I bury you. And I get tired of that. I get tired of losing my friends to something as wicked as alcohol. And so I will always tell you that I don't like it. But it never means that I don't like you. And I hope you always understand that. And I want us all to have this kind of a family that, that, that we can walk and be obedient to what God's Word says. Most important thing in our lives is the truth of God's Word and walk according to it. Every one of us. Oh, how we need to be doing that. And so, for thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands. It'll be sweet. It truly will be sweet what you taste of your labor then. It won't be in vain, and it won't be foul tasting. And happy shall thou be. You know the very first word of Psalm 128, verse 1, blessed? That word is happy. The word in verse 2, happy, is the word blessed. Same thing. That's what we want. That is what we want. Nebuchadnezzar thought he could find happiness. That man wasn't a happy man. Belshazzar was not a happy man. Lot was not a happy man. But I can tell you that, that Dan, David was an emotional man, but David was a happy man when you read the Psalms that he has. Even in the ones where he's fighting depression, he always comes back to the glory of God. And so Moses, I believe, was a happy man and and finished his life well, as well as Joshua. And here we can too, and our labor can be blessed, and, and our family can be happy. Happy shall thou be. 
and it shall be well with thee, pleasant and agreeable. You can come home at night, and it's not like World War III. You can come home during the day and spend time with your family. You can take days off. You can have snow days, and, and it's not a day that you regret that you have all of your kids home or whatever, but it's truly a day where you can actually enjoy the pleasantness of the blessings of a godly family that God has given you. And the wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. How good is that? The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yet thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. His labor is blessed, his family is happy and well. His family is blessed in a good wife, a good marriage, promising children. He will see good, and his heritage will be one of eternal quality. What would God say at your funeral? What would he say at mine? You know what? I want to try to do my best, be obedient to God's word, live according to it, so that maybe at least God could say, Shannon Monday was a servant of mine. That's all I'm asking. Just so people know that I'm a servant of God. If he wants to do any more than that, so be it. But let's give our lives to him. Let's know for certain that you're a child of God. Know for certain that you're on your way to heaven. You know for certain you're on your way to heaven? Then live in a way that is God-honoring to him. Let us be happy in this crazy world today. Let us have the joy that only God can give and find his blessings to be enough. Whatever it is, whatever God is pricking your heart about today and showing you that maybe there's something you need to release, maybe there's something you need to give to God, maybe there's something that's a sin in your life or a thought or or motivations, or I don't know what it is, but today is a day God is showing you, you are my child, you got to get rid of this, get rid of it today, leave it here. Pray and confess it to God, let him know you recognize it as sin that it is, you don't want it anymore in your life, you're turning away from it, leave it here and walk away. Maybe he's showing you that you need to be a child of God. That's the first step in true happiness and joy is to know that your sins are forgiven and that you're on your way to heaven. Whatever it is, don't leave here till you get it right with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for the examples we have, good and bad. Lord, you don't whitewash anything. You just show us the realities of, of sin. We see Lot's wife died because of it. We see his daughters were uh, in such an immoral a corrupt mindset and, and live such a way and, and, and lot allowing them. And Lord, we can make such a, a mess of our lives so quickly. But Father, I thank you that you are the God of restoration. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to come about and as we walk and trust you in obedience that we come about to have a family that's been described in Psalm 128. Let us have that, Father. Show us what it is that we need to do today to fix the things that are going on that would hinder that kind of a relationship, that kind of fellowship. 
Lord, we get it right today and walk closely with you. Lord, we love you. We truly praise you for who you are. I pray you do the work in the hearts of each one who's here today. In Jesus' name, amen.